Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. I'm going to pray again before I start. So stirred by 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12 today. But I'm so stirred by 1 Corinthians 13 that basically says if we have all of the gifts and have the most power flowing through our lives that anyone has ever seen, it would mean nothing if we didn't love. If we didn't love God and love the people that we're serving and even using the gifts on. So I feel real sobriety this morning that if I don't speak to you guys with the love of God, it means nothing. And that's serious, but that's what the Bible says, and I feel that really strong. So I'm going to pray that Jesus would give me his love for you guys. Even as I share that every word would be laced with his love. Jesus, I invite your love into my heart. I invite your love into every word. Lord, this is so much bigger than information. This is so much bigger than teaching or even revelation. Lord, would you back up every word with your presence, the presence of you as the man of love. God is love. So I'm asking you to be who you are this morning through every word that I share. Lord, and I thank you in advance that you're going to make us a people heavy laden with your gifts but not at the expense of love or character or fruit of the Spirit. We invite you, God, to meet us. Every single person, where they're at this morning, would you meet them personally? In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Well, my name's Kyle, and the title of today's message is Being a Good Friend Through the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, being a good friend by utilizing the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I want to share the journey of how I came to this message that I'm going to be giving to you this morning and hopefully a couple more weeks when I speak next. So here's the journey. It started on Monday morning, just six days ago. I was spending time with the Lord in Psalm 84, going line by line through that psalm, praying each verse over my own weak heart, because I need the word every day. I need it like water. I need it like food. I need it like oxygen. That's who you're dealing with when you see me up here, someone who desperately needs God every single day. And so I'm going through Psalm 84, line by line, praying through, and out of nowhere, I'm not even asking God for something else. I'm just talking to him about his word. Out of nowhere, seemingly nowhere, I hear 1 Corinthians 12 super clear in my spirit. It was just a thought that came in out of nowhere. So I was like, oh, I guess you want me to go to 1 Corinthians 12, but God, I'm reading Psalm 84. Don't you see what we're doing here? I'm really enjoying it. And so even me, as with a little bit of rebellion, I kept going with Psalm 84. I put a bookmark. I was like, I'll get, this, I'll get to 1 Corinthians 12 when I get to a good stopping point on Psalm 84. He was okay with it because of what happened next. So I get to verse 7, which we'll see up on the screen here, the next slide. I get to verse 7 right there in the middle. 
where the psalmist says, they, that is the people of God, what a verse right here, they go from strength to strength, then it says, each one appears before God in Zion. So I was taking this strength for my day, for my week, I was like, oh, I'm going to go from one degree of strength to the next on this day, on this Monday, and throughout this week. I was receiving it in faith, getting so encouraged. And that's a word for everyone in here. You're going to go from strength to strength, from glory to glory. That's God's progressive kingdom. There's always an increase, Isaiah 9, always an increase in God's kingdom, an increase of his government and peace and strength and glory. So I was receiving this, and then the next phrase says this, each one appears before God in Zion. So I took that literally. I'm going to appear before him. We might go to Jerusalem, to Zion one day as a family, but right there in the spirit, I appeared before God in a very intentional way. I'm going to appear to you in the heavenly Mount Zion in the spiritual realm and just come before you. And I'm going to let you initiate a conversation. So I appeared before God in Zion in the spirit as I have the Bible open. I said, God, what do you want to talk about? What's the subject that's on your heart today? And he said this. He says, just through thoughts. It wasn't an audible voice. It was through thoughts. He said, I want to talk to you about your friends. I want to talk to you about your friends. And I want you to be a more intentional friend with your friends. I want you to be a better friend to the people around you. And so I was like, I thought I was a pretty good friend, and he wasn't necessarily tearing me down. He's like, there's more for you. You can be a better friend, a more intentional friend. So I received it, and then I remembered, oh yeah, you spoke 1 Corinthians 12. I need to go there now. <laughs> so I, re- I appeared before God, got what he wanted to talk about, then I turned over to 1 Corinthians 12. This is going to be on the next slide here. And I'm reading through it. And remember what he just said to me about being a good friend. I'm reading through it, and it says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, that's to each one of us, for what? For the profit of all. All of the gifts are given to us, in order to give to others, to benefit, to profit, for the common good of all of the friends around us. So as soon as I read this verse, I was like, this is what you wanted to talk about. This is how I'm going to be a good friend. This aha moment, this light bulb went off. The gifts of the Spirit are all about friendship, about profiting, about benefiting, about the common good of every single single person around us that so desperately needs them. And then I thought about, what does a friend do? What are the, what is, what's the hallmarks of friendship? And then the Lord spoke these things to me. Friends, next slide. Friends seek to benefit and profit one another. Friends seek each other's good. Friends advocate for the people around them to experience God's goodness. Friends tell the truth, even when it hurts. Friends get raw and real. Faithful are the wounds of a friend because those wounds will cause growth and healing ultimately. And then overall, this is what I think about when I think about friendship in God's perspective. Friends fight for each other's greatness and eternal destinies in God. Friends fight for each other's greatness in God. 
And I thought about all these hallmarks of friendship, and it hit me fresh again. All of these can be accomplished through all nine of the gifts of the Spirit that we're going to look at in a second. All nine gifts help us to accomplish these simple but profound goals of friendship. So let's look at the nine gifts right now. We're only going to go over three today. But even before that, this other verse came later in the week. Just to drive it even more home, this verse from Jesus in John 15, 12. This is what he says. He says, this is my commandment. He boils it down. This is my commandment for you, that you, disciple of me, love one another as I have loved you. I've shared this before with this congregation. I think this is the hardest verse in the Bible. This is the hardest commandment to walk out. Because this isn't just like any kind of love. Look what he says there. Look at that little two-letter word that is so frightening. Look at there. As. That you, Kyle, love everyone around you as I, Jesus, have loved you, Kyle. With the same quality and quantity of love that I've bestowed upon you, you must give out to others. That's an impossible, seemingly impossible commandment, right? If we're honest, because we have 12 things we do each day that show us that we didn't love like Jesus did. We're confronted with our weakness every day with this verse of how much we fall short. But I thought about it in terms of the gifts of what the Lord was, was showing me. You know how Jesus often loved his disciples? You know how he often loved them? Yes, those four ways, but through the very gifts of the Holy Spirit. Jesus loved his disciples often through the gifts of the Spirit. So it hit me fresh. To obey this commandment in a very practical way, we should love others through the very gifts of the Spirit that Jesus has loved us with. Think about all of Jesus' ministry. Gifts of healings, gifts of miracles, words of knowledge, prophecy, discerning of spirits. He operated in these gifts and loved others, so we're invited to do the same. I just want to say overall, my nose is running a little bit. <laughs> I want to say overall, this kind of friendship, friendship with the gifts of the Spirit at front and center, is true, powerful, godly friendship that promotes eternal greatness. This is a summation statement. This is true, powerful, godly friendship that promotes one another's eternal greatness. And this is what I'm fighting for, for this church family. I'm fighting for it for my wife and my kids and for you guys. All right. Let's look at the verse here. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Who's in each one in here? That means each believer gets to play. <laughs> Every believer for the profit, benefit, the common good of all the other people around us. We looked at that. And here's the list of nine. Verse eight. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. 
to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each believer individually as he, the Holy Spirit, wills or decides in that moment to do. And so this brings us to this word up at the top in verse 7. Y'all see that word underlined manifestation? That's the Greek word phanerosis. Everyone say phanerosis. What does phanerosis mean? It's really important that we grasp this. Phanerosis literally means a temporary appearance. A temporary appearance or manifestation or revelation of the Spirit of God for a specific situation. So how do these gifts, how do these phanerosis gifts operate in our life? Let's say Nate has something wrong with his foot. He's got pain in his foot. Me as a friend of Nate, and I want to say Nate is a good friend and I want to be a good friend to him. Me as a good friend to Nate, I want to bring relief and I have compassion on Nate that he might have pain in his foot. So I go to him, believing in the phanerosis gifts of the Spirit that they're still for today. And let me say plainly, they're still for today. I go with an open hand. I go with an open hand, believing that God might give me a gift or a wrench of healing in my hand. Maybe operating through a gift of faith. I go with an empty hand, believing that God will fill me with a gift of healing. I lay my hand on his foot. And if God wills, in that moment, he will give me a wrench or a, you know, whatever your analogy is for the tool to heal Nate's foot. And then I, I lay my hand off and I say, Nate, how does it feel? He walks around and he's like, oh my goodness, it feels better. This happened on Wednesday night with a young person. He had a back, back injury from a car accident. I was taking these verses literally. I put my hand on his back believing that God was going to give me a wrench for his back. And sure enough, he did. He's like, oh my gosh. I'm trying to get the pain to come back, but it's not. He was doing what you did. He wasn't even here. <laughs> so it worked. And then I walked out of that room with an empty hand, though. It was a temporary appearance, a tangible appearance of the Spirit of God for a specific purpose to release the compassion and love of Jesus to my friend. Does that make sense? So look at that picture. Empty hand. There's a task at hand. He fills you with a tool. You release that tool in love not for your own name, your own glory, but the love of Jesus. And then you, go, you walk away with an empty hand. <laughs> Isn't that so cool? God is so fun. All right. So to sum it up, before we get into the three that we're going to talk about this morning, the next slide will give us the three main purposes of these phanerosis or manifestation gifts. I love the purposes of these gifts, and they're so real. They've done all these things to my heart. First, these gifts help to confirm God's word, that God is not a man that he should lie to. Every single word in that Bible is true. Then they confirm his reality, that he's a real living God. He's really alive. How? Because they literally reveal God to the perceptible human senses in a time and space world. Every one of these nine can be heard, felt, seen. They reveal themselves to the five human senses, and you can't deny that God's in the room when the, one of these nine gifts or all nine are present. You can't. Unless you're just so hard-hearted like Pharaoh that you just turn the other way. But even then, he had to... He eventually realized, oh my goodness, my son's dead because the God of Israel's real. Right? So, that's the first thing. Second, they are tangible expressions of God's compassion. This is my favorite one. 
<laughs> Maybe I just said the first one was my favorite, but I'm, they can all be your favorite. <laughs> but this is what really hit me this morning. <laughs> they are tangible expressions of God's compassion in the time and space world. <laughs> we believe that God's compassionate, but until we experience like a healing or deliverance, that compassion of Jesus becomes that much more real in our understanding, right? They're tangible expressions of God's compassion. Jesus was always moved by compassion. And then the nine gifts flowed through that because they released the supernatural power and goodness of God to people who desperately need it at that specific time. And this goes to that verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12. It's for the benefit of all. But it's the tangible expressions of God's compassion in a time and space world. And then finally, it's what we've talked about. It's what inspired this whole message. They equip and enable us to love others like Jesus loved us. They equip us to be a good friend, a powerful friend, an effective friend, a friend who has solutions. Amen? I love what Bible commentator Adam Clark said. I think he was from the 1800s. He's an OG Original gangster in the word. For real. This is what he said. These gifts are gracious endowments. What a phrase. Gracious endowments in your little hand, <laughs> leading to miraculous results. Gracious endowments leading to miraculous results. So let's look at the first three. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith. They'll be up on the screen there. And let's think of these overall. Each one of these three, the Bible actually describes the Holy Spirit as the finger of God. Not the ocean of God, but the pointed finger of God. So each one of these three is like a little, or a big, but a big finger of God pointing to a specific part of his total wisdom. If God gave us total wisdom, we would be crushed. Or if he gave us all knowledge, we wouldn't be able to hand it, handle it. But for certain times, for certain situations, for certain tasks, he gives us a finger of wisdom, a little part, a little part of his knowledge for someone else to help unlock their hearts. Or, like Jesus said, a little mustard seed or a little finger of faith. He taps on us and gives us that gift of faith for that specific task. Y'all get it? The finger of God is the Holy Spirit. So these are tiny parts of God's infinite nature given to human beings for a specific task. We're going to go over the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and the gift of faith. We'll think about the word of wisdom as directional. It gives us directions or solutions when we really need them. The word of knowledge is informational. It gives us information that we previously could not have discerned with our own human intellect or our own discernment. And then the gift of faith is powerful. And we'll see that it's a stepping stone to a lot of the other gifts. It's usually coupled with another gift to produce a miraculous result. All right, let's go. Word of wisdom. Definition will be up on the screen. The word of wisdom, like I said, is one part, one little finger of the total wisdom that God possesses. Supernaturally given to a believer for a specific situation. All of these are supernatural. They're not human wisdom. These are transferred to us supernaturally by God himself. And what is wisdom? We've gone over before, but just a quick refresher. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied to a situation. It's knowledge applied or a word applied, a word of wisdom, at the right place 
and the right time. A word of wisdom that you had for someone three years ago in that specific season might not be applicable for today. It's the same knowledge, just applied differently. So wisdom is knowledge applied at the right place in the right time. It's counsel. We go to others, say, what should I do? That's wisdom. It's directional advice. It's decision-making ability. Who wants to have supernatural decision-making ability for your family, for your business? What car do I get? What, how do I lead this business in the right way? What, what houses do I look at to sell, right, Ashton? It's, these, it's real. It's tangible. God wants to give it to us in every area of our life. He really does. So what are the purposes of the words of wisdom? I love these purposes. First, it's to unveil. All of these unveil, remember a tangible aspect that God is real, to unveil God's perfect supernatural direction, usually when we're at a fork in the road decision or situation in our lives, to unveil God's perfect supernatural direction as we face the fork in the road decisions or situations in their life. Another one that's closely related but a little bit different, it's to unveil. Words of wisdom unveil God's perfect supernatural solutions to problems that we can't figure out. Who's ever had a problem they can't figure out? We probably have one in our life right now. Or maybe five concurrently happening. (laughs) Right? We need a word of wisdom to unveil God's perfect supernatural solutions. God is so solution-oriented, guys. I want to commend him to you. He is so solution-oriented. So let's receive these words of wisdom. Let's look at an example from the Bible. In this one example from Acts 16, there are three words of wisdom in this one example. Look at this. Acts 16, this is Paul's second missionary journey. We're going to see he came to three forks in the road that he needed supernatural direction on. Look at this. Now, when they had gone through the region of Galatia, they were forbidden. Here's the first one. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. See number one up there on the map? They're going along. They're just continuing to go west. All of a sudden, a word of wisdom comes to Paul and his companions saying, don't go into Asia. They're like, but God, doesn't everyone need the word? He's like, yes, but not right now. I have something different for you. Right there, they come to a fork in the road. The Holy Spirit says, don't go to Asia. Go around. Isn't that wild? It's a a negative word of wisdom saying, stop, don't go. I got a different direction for you. Look at this, verse 7. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia. They're trying to do the right thing, go north to preach the gospel to Bithynia. There's real people there that really need Jesus. Look at two up here. Like, all right, we're going around Asia, Holy Spirit, but we're for sure going to go to Bithynia because they need it. Look what it says. But the Spirit did not permit them. It said, stop. Paul and your companions, don't go to Bithynia. I got a different assignment for you. So there's the second negative word of wisdom. Don't preach in Bithynia. (laughs) Verse 8, so passing by Mysia, they came down to Trous. That's right by number 3 there. And a vision, (laughs) a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A dream maybe, or a wake night vision. A man of Macedonia, here's the vision, a man from Macedonia, maybe he had a shirt that said Macedonia, or he just saw him, he's like, you look like you're from Macedonia, or he said he did. Actually, he did say that. He said, come over to Macedonia, so that's how I knew. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with Paul, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. 
This is a supernatural vision, but it's really a word of wisdom. It's directional advice for Paul and his friends for where to go. Verse 10, now after he had seen the vision, immediately, I love the immediate obedience, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. How cool is that? Three words of wisdom in one small passage of scripture. Do you know what the result is? The result is that all of Europe, they were going to stay in Asia. The result is that as they went west, across, looks like the Aegean Sea, as they went west, all of Europe was opened up to Jesus. In part, we're here today because Paul obeyed a word of wisdom in the night. Because a lot of us have European descent. Isn't that cool? Europe was opened up to the gospel from a word of wisdom. Here's a modern-day example from my own life. Really, it's, it's my dad that I'm going to be sharing the example from. Look at this. A modern-day example of a word of wisdom. In around 2015, so about eight years ago, there was a precious local church pastor. He's still here in the city. He had a young son, like five or six years old. This young son had a mysterious, undiagnosable stomach condition. His son suffered from severe pain. He had an inability to eat or process food. He was miserable 24-7. This is a pastor's son who believes like we do. Miserable 24-7. As my dad was hearing the report about this son, he received a word of wisdom from the Lord. What happened? As this pastor is sharing with my dad, my dad sees a vision in his heart of this pastor on the steps of a capital, like a state capital. And on the steps of this capital, this pastor had a good heart. He was trying to clear out the spiritual environment in his region, and he was directly casting down or attempting to cast down demonic principalities that were over that region. And we know from the book of Jude, this is a no-no. But this pastor didn't have that wisdom yet. He was trying to do the right thing, but he was outside of his spiritual realm of authority. We can talk about that more later if you have questions. And so that demonic principality got mad and tried to take out his son. So my dad said, you know, he obviously recognized he had a good heart, but my dad learned years ago this, was, this is not the way to do spiritual warfare, to directly confront high-ranking demonic principalities in a region. So he gave him this word, and he said, did, this, did you ever do this? I'm just seeing this. And he's like, yes, in Sacramento on the steps of the state capital of California. I did that years ago, or recently. And so he's like, well, it's simple. You're not, not going to hell. This is, you, can heal. you can be healed from this. Just simply repent. Say, I'm sorry for getting outside of my delegated authority, Lord. And I repent. Well, he did that. Shortly thereafter, they were led by wisdom to find this Holy Spirit doctor. <laughs> they had tried all these other doctors. It was undiagnosable. They were led by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to this doctor. And sure enough, he had a word of wisdom about what was wrong with this pastor's son. He's like, I think it's a yeast issue in his stomach. Like uncontrollable yeast or the wrong yeast is in his stomach. And that's causing him all of this pain and this miserable existence. So he's like, we can fix that. I got some medicine for that. We can treat that. <laughs> so sure enough, 
the son gets healed, and he's flourishing, he's tall, he's strong. He actually looks like you, young man, over there. I thought he was here today because he looks so much like you. Strong. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be cool. He's going to be in the room. He's tall, strong, thriving young man now. But how did that happen? A word of wisdom given in love, even a negative word of wisdom. He obeyed it. He repented. Another word of wisdom led to the right doctor. That doctor filled with the Holy Spirit gives a gift of the word of wisdom, says it's yeast. Boom, healed. Is it this love? Is it this being a good friend? My dad was a good friend to that pastor. My dad didn't have fear of man. That When he was going to say this, this pastor might think he's whatever. That's love. So cool. Let's go to the next one. Word of knowledge. All right, what's the word of knowledge? It's really similar to the word of wisdom. It's one part, but it's informational, like I said earlier. It's one part or word of the total knowledge of God. Remember, God has all knowledge, and we don't want all knowledge because we'd be crushed. <laughs> if we knew everything about everyone in the room all at once, we'd be crushed because we're little frail humans. He gives us one finger, one little part, one little mustard seed of his total knowledge. He gives it to us as believers filled with the Holy Spirit for a specific situation. And what is this supernatural knowledge? I said it earlier, but this is information about an individual or a situation that could not have been known by mere human intellect or mere human discernment. Like if someone comes in with a Cincinnati Bengals hat on and you come to him with a word of knowledge being like, I think you're a football fan and you really love the Cincinnati Bengals. That's not a word of, of knowledge, <laughs> right? It's something you could not have known. It's a direct download of the very knowledge of God. And what are the purposes of the word of knowledge? There's so many purposes of the word of knowledge, but here's just four of them right here. They unveil God's perfect, eternal, supernatural knowledge of all creation. It helps to prove the fact from the Bible that God is omniscient. Katie, if I could just tell you your birthday right now without knowing, that, the odds, one out of 365, the odds of that, they help prove that God is all-knowing. Isn't that cool? They, another purpose, this is my favorite purpose. I might say another favorite later, so forgive me. This is my favorite purpose of the word of knowledge. I believe, and I see it all through Scripture, they unlock someone's heart to the reality and goodness of God. If God knows my birthday... Or if God knows I have this condition that's tormenting me, if God knows my name, what does that mean? What are the implications of that? They are so far-reaching. If God knows everything, that means he's got a solution for everything. That means he's already got it all figured out. And we can rest. And The implications are massive to this. But words of knowledge unlock people's hearts, the reality and goodness of God. Third, they build faith. If God sees me and knows me, they build faith for a salvation to happen, for a healing to happen, or for a deliverance to happen. And lastly, this happened in the book of Acts with Ananias and Sapphira. They cause an increase of the fear of the Lord for an individual or an entire community or an entire city, yea, maybe an entire nation a word of knowledge is big enough. An increase in the reverential fear of the Lord because it means God knows everything and I can't get away with anything. <laughs> if God knows everything, it means we can't get away with anything. We can't hide things under the rug. Words of knowledge increase the fear of the Lord in a community. 
Amen? All right, let's look at a biblical example. A well-known story, John 4, with the woman at the well. And this is a perfect example of a word of knowledge unlocking someone's heart to build faith for salvation. Here it is from John 4. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, the water from the well, the natural water. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. That's some good water right there. Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to this well to draw. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. I want him here in the situation too. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband, Jesus. Jesus said to her, you have well said, here's the word of knowledge that he could not have known naturally. This is a perfect stranger to Jesus. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. Verse 18, for you have had five husbands. There's a word of knowledge. You have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. In that, you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. (laughs) Very astute statement. This unlocked her heart that this random stranger knew facts about her life that no one else could know. And look at her understanding of the Messiah. This is so cool. You know how Jesus meets us right where we're at? She had an understanding of the Messiah. In the next slide, we're going to see that that was the ticket to her salvation, the fact that a man could know everything about me, or at least know one fact, which opened up understanding. If he knows this one fact, that means he knows everything. This is what she said later. She said, I know that Messiah is coming one day. I have faith in the Messiah. When he comes... This is her one fact about the Messiah that she's believing for. When Messiah comes, he will tell us all things, or he will know all things and tell us all things. And then Jesus answers her with a mic drop moment. He says, I who speak to you am he. The one speaking to you is the one that you just talked about, who knows all things. So she, I'm sure her jaw's on the floor at this point. The woman, I love this phrase, the woman then left her water pot This is just how the disciples left their nets. They left their past life. They left the options that they were going to. She left her water pot that she had traveled all that way to get water. She left her water pot, her old life, what she was seeking to get water because she had found the real thing, the real stuff. She left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come. So she went to her hometown. Come, see a man who told me, all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Remember, Jesus only told her one thing about her life, but it was so powerful, so pointed, only he could know it, that she knew this was the man that knows all things, which in her understanding was the Messiah, the Christ. Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they, that's the people of the city, went out of the city and came to Jesus. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him, Because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all things that I ever did. So what are the results of a word of knowledge, this gift of the Holy Spirit that can flow through us? The results in this situation, profound. Jesus' word of knowledge unlocked this woman's heart 
built faith in her that he could be the Messiah, eventually led to her salvation, and then she immediately became an evangelist that invited her whole city to come meet Jesus and hear from him themselves. You know what the ultimate result is? She got saved, and many other Samaritan souls were saved as a result of what? A word of knowledge. This is so powerful. This is love. Modern day example of word of knowledge comes from my own wife. Worship team, you can come up. We're just going to get through two today. <laughs> we'll save the gift of faith and the others for next time. Modern day example, you can put up the next slide. In 2017, actually on my birthday, August 28, 2017, Brooke and I were flying. We were in a plane. She saw a man on this flight who had his arm in a sling, okay? Being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with compassion for this man, and, and someone Brooke has seen lots of people healed through her prayers, through her hands over the years. With this in her heart, Brooke started praying for this man, that he would be healed. She prayed in her own heart quietly. And as she was praying, she quieted her heart, and all of a sudden she heard Raul. Raul. Come out of nowhere, seemingly, right? Just like the 1 Corinthians 12 came out of nowhere for me. <laughs> she was just praying, and then bam, Raul. So she's thinking, is his name Raul? That came from nowhere, but I'm praying, so God's probably talking to me. <laughs> so she tells me, like, I'm a witness, an eyewitness. She tells me, she's like, Kyle, I was praying for this guy. I heard Raul in my heart. I think his name's Raul. I was like, let's go for it. We got nothing to lose. We're never going to see him again. We're on a plane. We're stuck here in this metal cabin, 30,000 feet in the air. We can't lose by going for it. We really can't. <laughs> the worst thing that happened is that he feels seen, known, and loved that someone at least was praying for him in their heart. That's the worst thing that could happen. So we were like, should we go up there? It's like, let's wait, see if he comes back. We were sitting right by the bathroom. We had the, the best seats in the house, right? <laughs> no, economy. <laughs> a couple 26-year-olds, 25-year-olds trying to make it, <laughs> getting the cheapest seats, right? So we're right by the bathroom. It's worked out perfect. He had to come back to the bathroom at some point. So Brooke stops him as he comes back to the bathroom. And I love her process. She says, hey, I was praying for you. I saw your arms in a sling. And as I was, or she said, first of all, she said, does your name start with R? She started there. He's like, Yes. She's like, is your name Raul? He's like, yes. I, how do you know? And she said, well, I was praying for you in my heart, and I shared what I just shared with you guys. And so he's like freaking out. This random 25-year-old knows his name and was praying for him. So what does she do? She didn't just leave it there. She says, can I pray for you? Can I pray for healing for your, for your shoulder? Was it a collarbone? Collarbone shoulder? Torn ligament in his shoulder, maybe torn labrum. So she lays hands on him, word of knowledge, working with a gift of healing, coupled together. She prays for him. His faith is sky high because someone knows his name, <laughs> meaning God knows his name. The Holy Spirit knows his name. His faith is sky high. She gets done praying. She's like, test it out. See if, it, see if it's healed. He, matter of fact, straight faces, yeah, it's healed. There's no pain. There's no pain. It's healed. He's still freaked out. But it was so normal for her, him to be healed after a random girl knows his name. That was the easiest thing in the world. So he's healed. 
no pain in his shoulder. Based on a word of knowledge, faith goes up, and his life is, is never the same. <laughs> it's so cool. Well, we're going to respond now. Like I said, we're going to get to gift of faith next time, just with time. But here's our response. If you want to skip through probably five slides. Guys, here's my heart for you guys. I want y'all, and I want myself too. I'm included in this. Maybe I'll turn around and be included. I want to go from spectator, watching, hearing about these stories, watching about, hearing about the gifts of the Spirit, watching others do it. I want to go from spectator in the stands to participant, football player on the field. But instead of carrying the ball, we're carrying whatever of the nine gifts that Jesus wants to give us in that moment to help someone, to be a good friend. That's the invitation for all of us at a deeper level. Some of you, a lot of you are already participating in this, but there's always a deeper level to go from spectator to participant. So I wanna invite you, if you want to love others at a deeper and more effective level, say it another way, if you wanna be a better and more intentional friend by utilizing the gifts of the Spirit, I wanna invite you to stand up right now. If you wanna go deeper onto the playing field, if you wanna start on God's team and not just cheer others on, and guys, this isn't weird. This is fun. This is love. This is going to blow people's minds that God is real. All those purposes we looked at earlier. 1 Corinthians 14.1. You know what you're doing right now and you know what God requires of us? He doesn't require a lot. This is all he, all he requires for us to pursue love. Keep love at the center with all these gifts. Never lose love like I prayed earlier. And eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. He doesn't say have a theology degree. He doesn't say to have a 1600 SAT. He doesn't say to be the wisest business person you know, no. He says eagerly desire. Maple can easily, eagerly desire things in her life, and she's a newborn. We all have the ability, he lowers the bar, he lowers the bar for us to get on the field. All you have to do is eagerly desire. You gotta want it. And when you want it, God gives it. When you want it, God gives it. Luke eleven thirteen, I shared it last week. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? By implication here, it's the Holy Spirit and all his gifts. How much more will the Holy Spirit give all nine gifts to those who, who are eagerly desiring them, wanting them, asking? So here's the simple response, just ask. Since we only have two this morning, I'm invite up my mom to come right now and my dad as well to the front. You can go to the next slide. We're going to respond by asking, eagerly desiring, and we're going to receive a laying on of hands from people who have walked out these gifts. It's really simple. It's not complicated. You can come up to the front and face everyone. This is what... Paul says to Timothy, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy. How do we get these gifts? We ask, we seek, we knock, we eagerly desire, but we also honor the elders in the church who have already walked in them. We honor what God has already done through someone else. And that's what this is. How are the gifts given to you? By prophecy. So my mom's going to speak forth. Prophecy just means to speak forth. She's going to speak forth. And if you're willing, she'll lay hands on you 
Look at this. We get gifts by prophecy and the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Another verse to build faith. Freely my mom has received the word of wisdom at times when the Lord wills it. Freely she's going to give it away. That's what Jesus said. Freely, if there's anything good you've received from me, you can give away. So that's what my mom and dad are going to be doing. My dad operates in the word of knowledge almost every single day. I hear about it every single day, and it's always cool. <laughs> it's always cool. It's always powerful. He's a good friend. He's a good friend. My mom has the word of wisdom resting on her. Like often the Lord will give her a little word of wisdom. We're even here in Austin because she received a word of wisdom dream about our house uh, being about a police officer coming to our house telling us to go south because a tornado was coming. It led us from northeast Texas down south to Austin. A word of wisdom is why we're here, operating through my mom with a night vision. But ultimately, guys, you're going to come through. If you desire to operate in the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, you're going to come through. It's going to be a simple laying out of hands. They're going to speak over you. But ultimately, verse 11 says, he's going to distribute to you individually as he wills. It's ultimately up to the Holy Spirit. You might not walk out of here with 12 words of wisdom this week or 15 words of knowledge, but you know what our part is? We can ask. We can honor those who have walked in it. That's is gonna be our action step. Next slide, you can go to it. We're not gonna have the gift of faith, but they're gonna simply speak over you, prophecy. They're gonna activate or release or ask the Lord however they want to a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge in you. So here's our response. We're gonna line up just like we did for communion, but instead of communion, <laughs> we're gonna come in a single file line going this way. I'm gonna demonstrate. If you're over there, we're gonna go down this aisle and just real simply, my mom's gonna say, I, and I, I want it right now. Can you do it to me? Okay. She activated the word of wisdom in Jesus' name. However, my dad wants to pray for me for the word of knowledge. Mm. So that's how we're going to do it. So go ahead, line up, come down here. It's going to be quick. We got to keep it quick just to get everyone through. I want to invite up any prayer teams we have. If there's any other need that you'd like prayer for, we want to be up here to agree with you for whatever need is in your life. So prayer teams, if you haven't received yet the word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, prayer, you can come up and start praying for people. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.